Hi, Matt. Hi, Ashley. And hello, listeners. And welcome to the AFI List. We're your hosts, Matt and Ashley, and we're watching the 100 greatest films of all time. According to the 1998 list put out by AFI. We are on number 12 this week. Sunset Boulevard. Oh, wow. Sunset Boulevard. I feel like either that opening was absolutely ridiculous or we stuck that landing and just like got our opening right for the first time ever. One of the two just happened. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> either we like nailed that or that was fucking ridiculous. One of the two. I feel like everybody's like it was subpar at best. <laughs> like, yeah, it's one. It's they're like it's neither of those. It's just like whatever. <laughs> but I'm suffering extreme memory loss, <laughs> so I don't know what we did. What's going on? <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Have you seen this one before? I have never seen Sunset Boulevard, and like I had no idea what this movie was. Um, I could guess i literally guessed certain things as we were watching but it it started and i was just like i'm assuming this is a hollywood movie because sunset boulevard mm-hmm. and matt was just like yeah but that's all i figured about the movie had no thoughts before i'd seen this movie once before mm-hmm. so only ever once uh, this is the one like uh uh well, I'm stoned and I can't remember. One of the other movies I talked about where I said I like watched it in a class, though, I didn't watch this one on my On the waterfront. Word. You're right. Thanks yeah. for being a good memory. What are you doing? Wait. Wait. I feel like we're whispering. Are we talking really quiet? Am I talking really quiet? I feel like you're trying to be loud, but you're like also scared to do it. I know. I'm so afraid. it's like... I don't want to disturb anybody, but I need to be louder. It's like you're getting quieter and getting closer to the microphone. That's what I'm doing. It's like, it doesn't work like that. You just sound the same level. I had seen this movie before, though. Uh, Once in a class. Much like On the Waterfront. Dope. In summary. Uh, And yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I thought about it then when I tell you how I felt about it now. Oh, so it's like mystery oh it's a cliffhanger (laughs) stick around till the end when we do our summation (laughs) wow it's so tense right before it i'm gonna cut to our sponsor just kidding we don't have one (laughs) (laughs) give us money so we can buy more weed (laughs) actually you know what's gonna end up being more expensive than buying weed buying all these fucking movies and streaming services to watch these movies on oh my gosh we had to do film struck yesterday we did which luckily i had a free trial that i had to use a different email address for because the first time you accidentally i started accidentally signed trial. up because i thought another movie was on there on the waterfront <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> man full circle tonight <laughs> i thought on the waterfront i swore it was on there i fucking signed up and i'm like where is it and they're like well enjoy your two weeks and i'm like of what i don't have to watch any of the movies yet because we go and we record in order guys that might change i feel like when we start doing guests though oh spoiler alert we're gonna have some guests in like some upcoming episodes that's all we're gonna say cliffhanger ah! brought that back too <laughs> and then we never do guests <laughs> 
<laughs> bringing something back takes like more than five minutes to bring back. You've lit- it's been like forty seconds. But inside my head, it's been four years. So. <laughs> oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> I hope in four years I'm okay because I'm certainly not okay now. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Let's pick her up with Sunny Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> yes, which we watched on Filmstruck. <laughs> I just want to rant about something with the filmstruck thing. This is what I. This is why I brought this uh, back up because before we get into this movie, let's talk about this for a second. Every time we get high for this fucking podcast, something technical goes wrong. Goes wrong. Like we have had to unplug our TV before while high. We have had to restart. It doesn't the... sound that hard, but like guys, no, get up, walk over, unplug the TV, wait fifteen seconds, plug the TV back in, go back over, check to see if the TV Wi-Fi works. If it doesn't, you gotta go do it again because for some reason, unplugging and plugging it back in again is the only thing that works on a two thousand eighteen smart TV. I wanted you to get to that point too because like. It, it is, it is like, it sounds easy. It sounds like I'm just getting up and unplugging the TV and plugging it back in and everything works and it's fine and dandy. A lot of times this comes after sitting for a while yeah. and trying to either A, type in our Wi-Fi password yes. or try to get the TV to have Wi-Fi at all by like switching to different like components and because shit like that. Because sometimes when you switch to different components, it also it works magically. Work. Like, so you have to go through, so you're stoned and you're just trying to watch a movie that you may or may not even want to be watching right now. And God damn it. all the while your TV's just like, Nope, we have one function to be a TV and we're not going to work right now. It's like, but we don't have cable. So what's your function? Yeah. Uh, so smart TVs are, pretty dumb after all and yeah that fucking app didn't even work on a smart tv i haven't even gotten to that point yet like okay guys 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 so chromecast is what we have and everybody out there has something different like a fire stick or whatever they are and and besides actually having a chromecast our tv is a chromecast yeah we have a quote-unquote smart tv is a chrome thing it's a smart TV because it has a built-in Chromecast yes. in it. Right. So you can just cast it straight to the TV. That sounds so great. It is eliminating more moving parts. It's taking that out of the equation. Well, it's not really worth it when apps are like, oh, yeah, you can cast us. Yeah, we're compatible with Chromecast. Oh, but we literally cannot if you have a Chromecast that's built into your TV. We just don't do that. Yes. And I'm like, what the fuck did you say? We're not exaggerating. We're not making any of this up. All those steps are correct. It's like, yeah, we can stream. Yeah, we can stream to Chromecast. Oh, but not for this very specific thing. Like, oh, but if it is a smart TV that came out between these years, we can't read the fucking... Uh, Chromecast inside the smart TV. Dude, on the Reddit, some people were like, oh yes, this G series of the TV. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? What? And I'm like, I just want to watch fucking Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> I have, it makes me rage. Technology, rage. Yeah, like at some point in this episode, you may not hear it, but we're probably going to freeze and have to restart the app. Don't put that in the universe. <laughs> Um, but uh, something they will hear out throughout the entire episode is my computer freaking out 
What are you doing over there? Literally just listening to us talk. <laughs> you don't have to run a so marathon. <laughs> oh, man. Word. Word. We've already been on a journey, and it's we haven't even talked about the movie yet. Let's talk about the movie. What's what's in my hair? Oh, it was just kind of pushed to the side, so I fixed it for you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you beautiful. Thanks for fixing my hair. You're welcome. What are your mm. thoughts initial initially? What were your initial thoughts? <laughs> what, were, what were my thoughts initial? Mm. C, <laughs> E, <laughs> X, <laughs> initials. X. Um, I would I would pronounce that sex. Yeah. Like the C E yeah. kind of makes me Se- go sick. Sex. I got sex on the brain, everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna take that out. <laughs> You don't know who's listening. <laughs> uh, hold on one second. I'm going to rub my eyes again, and I don't want that to be in there. <laughs> that is so gross. What's in there? So it's a fucking desert in there right now. There's nothing in there. Tumbleweed. Is Lawrence in there? <laughs> Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia? Arabia? Are you in there? <laughs> I still don't like your movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to shit on Lawrence of Arabia every episode for the whole time. Until we have another Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, There's you know going to be... We have We're going to be movies. begging for Lawrence of Arabia. We have a hundred movies. There's going to be several we fucking hate in this list. Oh my god, I wish I was watching Lawrence of Arabia right now. I'd watch it twice in a row. And we might have hours. one. We might have one of those. Ugh. We honestly might have one of those. But... My opinions on Sunset Boulevard, though. Getting back to this movie, because this is what this podcast is. I said that so the movie starts and like our main character is narrating yes like saying like oh there's a body found in the pool or whatever but he's like narrating his story of how he ended up in the pool shot yeah i immediately was just like "Ooh, narrator is a bold choice like it's a voiceover Mm -hmm. this whole movie is basically because there are several scenes in this movie where no one is speaking mm. and everything that you're seeing is being like the exposition of what you're seeing is through this voiceover. So like those scenes don't work without the voiceover. Yeah. There was a choice for some heavy scenes of voiceover in this movie. But initially I will say initial, initial, initial. initial. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that I thought it was an outside narrator, like not these characters or the main character was narrating it at first. It's until he was like, well, this is how I... And I was like, oh, it's his story. When it was just the general narrator, I'm like... I. It's very rare that I like an outside narrator that doesn't have any influence in the story telling me something. It's like, I'd rather just read it then. I'll do you one better. It's very rare that I like a movie with a narrator. <laughs> yeah, well, this... I really don't like voiceover. I'm a, I'm a big hater of voiceover yeah no i literally (laughs) said bold choice because i was like i don't like it but i will say it kind of grew on me as the movie went because i understood where it was coming from because our main character is a writer and it's like he's telling the story he couldn't tell because he's dead now yeah i'm like okay i get it i'll give it a pass but usually i'm not a big fan and i wasn't happy at the beginning yeah i i'll i was happy at the beginning i was actually fine at the beginning but I will agree with you, 
uh, for the rest of that because, yeah, I typically hate voiceover anytime. There's no excuse for it, like, yeah. for the most part. This one started... Show, don't tell. This one, though, started, and I was like, I like this one. Like, yeah. I was immediately like, okay, I totally get it for why they're doing this. I like it. It felt like a... Like the main... Oh, like a film noir. Which this absolutely it is. is. It, it totally ab- is. It, like, it isn't the traditional, you know, like the film noirs we've seen up until Sunset Boulevard. But it's that but very it is- Hollywood noir. Right. And like, it, it immediately makes it so that that is the vibe of it. And I'm like, okay... Yeah. I like it because it's a very specific choice, but they're like doing it very purposeful and very well crafted. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this is the noir. I feel like when people are like, "I love film noir," the kind of expected number one is Sunset Boulevard. Really? I feel like I feel like I don't know if that's true. But it's true. not even like. But it's like a it's, the private eye. It's not even. No, like yeah, that. it's not all the traditional things, but it because it is such. It takes all the tropes and does mm-hmm. them so well. I feel like this is the go-to for film sure. noir. Uh, I don't know that though for sure. I just that's something I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, and another thing you mentioned was like sort of the first thing that I wrote down. How, and this is this is after this is once we're in his story or whatever. And we're seeing him do this pitch with the producer about this, you know, shitty script he's trying to sell. He just wants to eat. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even want to write anything good. Um, I wrote down that this is very Hollywood, and it's almost like for the time a little too insidery. Yeah. Because you know we've we see now what we've come come to understand are like the Hollywood pitch meetings. I feel like up up until the fifties when this came out, people didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, like if you, like that that was like the first time we had seen it. It was like kind of just the depressing shitty side. You're right. Of and like we, making films before it was all glamour. Well, before it was singing in the rain, now yeah. it's Sunset Boulevard. This is the It's well, gritty. I, it's gritty even in its like intention. I wrote down several times actually and instead of instead of like the last podcast where I just repeat the same thing several times, I'll just do one summation here. <laughs> 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 Don't do drugs, kids. That's a lie. Do drugs and then watch the 100 Greatest Movies of All Time. No, just do one drug. Well, just do the, do the fun drug and then watch the 100 Greatest Movies of All Time. And now it's our first sponsor, Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, I won't repeat it a bunch. I might point out specific moments where I see this. But uh, this movie is absolutely like the perfect antithesis flip side to singing in the rain and it's so like perfect that they're kind of back to back oh because yeah. it is hollywood it is like the reverse you get mm-hmm. the glitz glamour spoofy it's like making fun of hollywood still but it's a little more tongue-in-cheek it's a little more nudgy on the shoulder with i singing guess in the so. rain. it's not blatant that at that party that gross old dude is hitting on that right. woman it's right. like oh it's there but like we're still having a great it's, time <laughs> isn't this ridiculous like that movie's savage and it's it's funny but it's it's a little more tongue in cheek. This is like this is the dark, scary this is the shit. Drama. This is like when you see dead people in Hollywood. This is what happens to them. Like yeah. that that type of thing. Like, but it's like this it's, is the flip side of Singing in the Rain. I never saw like the fact that he was dead as like an ominous thing. I always saw it as like a beautiful thing that I was about to learn. You know, because he's still talking in a brain. It like he's still alive. Yeah, it's that. Uh, it's comfort. Uh a movie I saw before this, but obviously came out way later, uh, American Beauty. Yeah, I've seen. I'm used to the dead narrator mm-hmm. because 
that movie taught me it was okay. Maybe we do like narrators because like I like that movie. Too. I like that movie it's too. Kevin Spacey. Can we still <gasps> like? Can we still like that movie? I still like that movie. I just don't like him as a person. Oh god, he's terrible. But like, I still like that movie. Yeah, I like that movie. It, it like just makes it unfortunate, and it will change my watching of it. Yeah, but like, I I think it was a good movie. Yeah, I like that movie. Uh, that's where it gets tricky, folks. Like we're gonna. <laughs> This is a big thing in our pop or like in our culture right now, and it's just so depressing. And we are literally going down a list of that industry. Yeah. Like, so we are going to like constantly reference all these people who are who were in great films, but now we like see completely different. Yeah. Oh, we looked behind the curtain. We looked at the man behind no, no, the curtain. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, you're never going to like what you see. Yeah. Even yeah. Dorothy was like, fuck this little man. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think, I don't even know if I mentioned this in the Wizard of Oz podcast, but I'm going to mention it now. I think that's kind of my favorite thing about that movie is the, like the don't look at the man behind the curtain thing. Yeah. Because it's really the first movie that like opened our eyes to that. Yeah. Like. It's like, don't trust. And we were like, oh, you're right. And now we say, don't look at the man behind the curtain as like a part of like, it's a saying that people say. And it came from that movie. And that's because that's the movie that made us realize that like behind the curtain, things are pretty disappointing. Yeah. And I'm like, damn. So it's like, if you don't want to be disappointed, don't fucking look. Don't look at the man. Yeah. And that's what I, that's my favorite thing about Wizard of Oz. Don't get close to your dreams, kids. (laughs) You're only going to see failure. (laughs) Oh. Uh, but anyway. This isn't episode five, though. No, four. No, mm. six? Uh, oh. Six. Six, I think. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it's six, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so American Beauty taught me it was okay. So go, to go back and watch this movie, I was able to The narration, believe. not Kevin Spacey's no, no, actions. Yeah, no. Never okay. <laughs> um yeah, so I accepted it and I was fine with it. And then, yeah, like it, like I was saying, it, it kicks into like real Hollywood, like dark side of Hollywood. Maybe not like pitch black. It's still a pretty fun, breezy movie for yeah. a while. Um, so it's not like super dark, but it is more like the disappointing parts of Hollywood. Yeah, and it also throws in, like, of course, any movie where there's a dude strapped for money. Like, that's most plots, I feel yeah. like. Especially at this time, because, I mean, it was being made at a time where, like, you know, the Depression was right before the... You know, like, money is a very new thing to kind of have, and to lose it is so crucial. And when you owe it to the mob... Oh, I basically just wanted to talk about how this movie included, like, the mafia. How did it include the mafia? Isn't that who... Who were the two dudes, like, chasing after him? He owes money to people. Who were they? If they weren't the mafia. Oh, yeah. I don't... I I never thought they were the mafia. They probably could have been. I was just thinking, like, really tough loan sharks. Like, you... Okay, loan you, sharks like, who kill people in they my... Kill? They were going to kill him! I thought they were just going to take his car. Oh, were they? I think when they saw him later, he was driving away from them because he, they saw his or, car. I thought they were shooting at him. <laughs> Did we watch two different fucking movies? I just can't remember. Maybe it was the mob, and I just, like, I was too stupid to realize it. Were, was I right? No. Or was Matt right? 
Yes. I don't know. I'm going to do a sound effect. Okay. Honestly, I do not know for certain. Your film struck trial ended long before you listened to this back and you are too cheap and lazy to research any further. Fucking stoners. Am I right? Now I'm like doubting my brain in like a really serious way. It's like, I swear those guys wanted to kill him. I thought they just wanted to take his car by any means necessary. They were tough, but they weren't going to kill him, I don't think. Maybe you're right because... I don't don't know though. I could be very wrong. But maybe you're right because later he goes to that party and I'm like, those guys are looking for you. You shouldn't be there. Like, I thought that was a part of the movie. So maybe I was just really high and I just picture, I'm afraid of guns. So any situation that's tense, I'm like, somebody's got to pull out a gun. Well, we've seen already several instances of the mafia in these movies already like hollywood apparently is obsessed with the mafia um because we've seen them a bunch already in the top 15 (laughs) you mentioned referencing stuff they reference like real directors in real movies and things like that and like we have we've now seen movies that have referenced other movies already Mm. we've already seen that like this isn't the first movie but this one felt like real, real yeah. this time because uh, it was referencing real Hollywood stuff like from that time yeah. too, like yeah, fifties like era stuff. Like what? Uh, something we watched. What they reference? You're bringing this up and you don't even remember? No, I had no payoff to that. I was just like saying that it reference oh, real stuff. Because I wrote very specifically down. They say you wouldn't have picked Gone with the Wind. Yes. Yes. And like, yeah, that's a film that's number like three, three. or four on this list. Two? Four? No, it's three. Three? Or four. <laughs> <laughs> it is exciting because I want to know how many times this happens where a film on the list references another film on this list. And it's... I think it might happen a lot because these are iconic movies yeah. for decades. So in the 90s, they're going to be referencing stuff in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. You know, like, it's going to get... So fun to see. So we've had two, I think, so far. Yes. But I kind of want to just do like a mental list of how many because and I don't what's know. the what's the link? This movie references this movie. Maybe this movie that is referenced referenced something else. You yeah. Know? Like what is that chain? But see, that seems like a lot of work, and I'm not going to do that. No, but if <laughs> listeners, you want to put that list together someday, um, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> we'll take a look at it. <laughs> So you're not gonna do anything with it. We're like, no. Well, but we'll enjoy we'll it. Look at it and be like, we'll be like oh, oh, that's thanks cute. for doing and then that. Get for like a second and then like close it and then well, like, forget well, it's there in your like, downloads folder. And you're like, shit, I gotta clean out my downloads folder. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And we then, could we could repost it. No, we could, we could post it on our page. No, if somebody takes the time to do that. Well, no, they. I don't think the listeners would want us to repost their stuff because no one would definitely see it because no one follows our social media <laughs> follow us on facebook it's the afi list podcast and if you follow us on instagram it's afi list Ding. follow us like us talk to us be our friends but stepping away from that and going back for a second on what who I thought was mobsters and who you said were just tough loan sharks. I now I know why I think they were like mobsters because this is the first time on the list where we get to see big silly gangster hats. Mm, They're they wearing big, like silly gangster hats. big silly gangster they hats. Do. And I'm like when I see those hats, I know those men have guns. Like yeah. that's my relationship with those silly those hats silly and like hats. the long coats and the gloves. Like they were dressed like gangsters. 
But did they did they just dress them up like like thirties gangsters to match the noir because theme? it's a noir thing? Yeah. Yes, and I don't know. I don't know. See, but like that's where they got me. Like they. Yeah. Wanted, no, I can see that. They wanted me to have that reaction while your reaction was really happening. Like, I got so caught up in what the imagery of it was. I, I don't. Maybe I don't know what this plot is at all. That would be so fun. Like if you were just like, oh man, I hope we do have one of these on the list where we both just fear completely yeah. off i hope so yeah um because that's what we does to your brain sometimes you just fill in the gaps and make up your own story <laughs> i love it it's so creative it's fun uh yeah jumping ahead in the story a little bit so basically he is down and out writer name joe uh, they keep calling him by his last name, and I can't remember. Gillis. What... Gillis, yes. They call him Gillis pretty much throughout the whole okay. movie. Um... <sighs> you fucking threw me off. Oh, sorry. That's okay, man. I'll get there again. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So he's down and out. Can't get a script made. Uh, the script girl hates his movie. The, like, the reader or whatever tells the producer never <laughs> no, to do it. No, I believe script girl is the appropriate title. No, that's what it says on our door. It says script girl? I think it does. Or reader girl or something. No, it just says reader. I'm pretty sure it says... Reader girl? Or maybe script girl. But like script girl, that's literally what they were in the credits then still. That's real. <gasps> they, it says script girl in the credits. I want to be a script girl. <laughs> I find it both offensive and like, can I get hired? <laughs> yeah, can I have that job? I'm like, I want to be a script girl oh too. Oh my God. Well, she kept um, saying she was a reader the whole time. Yes, Ugh, that correct. sucks because it's correct. a woman just like, I'm a reader. And you're like, you're the script girl. And she's like, I'm a reader. Yeah. That's probably actually Oh, that, that makes is. me depressed. Um, But yeah. What was I saying? Fuck. I'll get there. Oh, so he goes through this whole down and out journey and eventually finds an escape in the house of a 1920s forgotten silent movie yeah. star. Um, and when he is evading the gangsters slash loan sharks, he pulls the car, which is now wrecked, because it was like this big chase scene or whatever. With guns. <laughs> now wrecked, yes, correct. Um, now wrecked car in this just the next garage he can find, and it happens to be this 1920s movie. Sorry, he doesn't go seek her out on purpose. Uh, but when... He's doing this narration. He's like, this is a house that could only belong to old Hollywood like royalty yeah. type. But and it was dilapidated. When he goes, so he like the garage is underneath. When he goes up the stairs, the reveal shot of the house is absolutely incredible. Oh yeah. So much so that my stone brain was like, write that down. That's an amazing shot. You like it just tracks him up the stairs and it follows him, but the way they use the widescreen so with grand. the with the house, like how the bigness of the house, mm-hmm. uh the grandeur of the house. It is an amazing reveal shot. I want to say at that point, like that shot, it felt very reminiscent. It switched from noir to horror. Yes. Which, because it's like the old dusty building, the strange woman inside, the creepy butler, like the they're doing the funeral thing. It's all very bizarre. Which bizarre, 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 bizarre. <laughs> it's, This is bizarre. This is bizarre. <laughs> um, noir always dips its toe into horror. I think a yeah. little bit. But this one dives in. <laughs> this yeah. one's like, you know how noir does a little bit of kind of horror elements or whatever? This one's like, nope, we're going to make this fucking section of the movie 
scary. <laughs> Dives right into that pool that nobody's using in that big old mansion. Come on, that's a shame. Rich people are crazy. <laughs> you have a pool and you don't get in it? Why do you have it? Give it to me. <laughs> I'll fucking use it. Uh, and she does. She wants to shower him then with money. Once he yeah. comes into the house and she finds out he's a writer and she wants him to write her like comeback story. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I'm going to throw money at you until you're happy and stay here forever and yeah, make me a little, star again. You're my little sweet thing. And then you remind me of my youth and everything like that. Uh, yeah. Ugh. And it's funny because as soon as he like goes in there and there's like the reveal of her, um, what's her name in the movie? Norma. Norma. Um, Norma Desmond. As soon as Norma Desmond is revealed, <laughs> I guessed like everything that was going to happen. Remember, I was just like, oh, she has a script and he's going to rewrite it and she's going to like keep him up in that house and like have him held hostage basically and he loves another girl (laughs) like that's the plot of the movie and i guessed it immediately but i was really excited to see it play out but like there's also that moment where later on in the movie with his love interest he explains that plot to her literally he's like of course this is how it happened he's like it's ridiculous but like of course it plays out like a movie plot like it's crazy. And he explains it to her later so like literally you hit the nail right on the head because it comes back later in the movie oh man just talking about his like down and out lifestyle before he even meets norma um <laughs> he has that script and he goes to talk with the with the dude and the script girl goes mm. in what's her name Nope, gone. It's gone. Oh, I don't want to call her script girl the whole time because I'm upset I, about it. I was going to just say love interest. Lava. Love but interest. she's so much more than a lava. Well, she's one guy's love interest until she becomes his love interest. So <laughs> they don't really give her that much to do. What is her name? Ugh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you are a gas machine tonight. <laughs> but he goes in... And the reader, this girl, is coming in and saying, oh, yeah, I read that script. It's so bad. And then he's like, oh, well, this is the guy who wrote it. And she was like, oh, my God, it's so terrible. And then she literally says, last year, I heard you were talented. And he's like, well, this year, I'm trying to make a living. And I was just like, preach, motherfucker, (laughs) preach. That is the most real thing i've ever heard yeah it's like i heard you like had talent like what the fuck and he's like well this year i want to make fucking money yeah because like doing what i'm great at doesn't make me money yeah i feel like the moment that i can break into hollywood i am immediately gonna be like anything that made me an individual i can throw away you just keep hiring me (laughs) (laughs) i am ready to sell out right now everybody <laughs> you're like i'll change my name <laughs> sure you want me to wear this crazy robe and sacrifice a goat absolutely <laughs> you're gonna pay me but you're not even gonna put my name on it i don't fucking care <laughs> <laughs> it's like what are the figures you're gonna baby? put my name on that that i didn't even do okay, okay. <laughs> it's like everybody's like this movie sucks and you're like yeah it sucks and they're like why'd you make it and you're like i didn't really <laughs> <laughs> but i'm just like fine with it because i would be wait, what and you're like i didn't do it so and they're like who do we blame 
<laughs> I was like, not me. I mean, <laughs> I didn't do it. I don't know who did. I just collected the paycheck. Um, <laughs> it like I hope I hope I do make it, and then this is a record of that. Oh and they're like, God. and they're just like, well, he did. He didn't lie. <laughs> 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 like like 20 years before it happened he like knew he was just gonna sell out <laughs> yeah he's he just fucking came out with the latest fantastic four movie and let me tell you two was better <laughs> uh yup fine with it absolutely fine with it oh my god but yeah it's a great line in the in there and i feel it i feel it every day <laughs> um Back to the house for a second. Yeah, let's uh, get into the house. After they reveal the house and they're in the house and we're doing the spooky thing and he's writing the the script for her and we just sort of see him like in various montages being around the house and her being around the house. The house itself and the music that they choose to play over the mm-hmm. house section of the movie reminded me instantly of Beetlejuice. Ooh, yeah. The music is like very much that like not the main Beetlejuice theme, but sort of the other sort of like the, the score. The the doomed Maitland's theme mm-hmm. is sort of the same type of theme for Was the, it Papa the... Elfman? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think it was any relation. I feel, but I do feel like it was on purpose. I bet a lot of seeing, French horns and stuff. Seeing this movie, like seeing the house particularly, I also feel like had a gigantic influence on Tim Burton. I feel like this movie influenced oh, yeah. Tim Burton a lot. With you know, Tim Burton obviously does more the uh, German expressionist mm-hmm. style, but I do think he took a lot of stuff from noir as well. And yeah. he may not realize it, but I do think he did. Oh, I think he realizes it because also just like the work with shadows and stuff is like a big thing in like noir, like the look of it. And yeah. this movie definitely does that. I, I think, I feel like Tim Burton was a really big fan of Sunset Boulevard and he loved like the sort of haunted house section of yeah. the movie because I feel like a little bit of that score is modeled in Beetlejuice. And then I feel like, a, not, not that to a T, but just a little bit of that house looks like the... The taken over mm-hmm. version when the Deets move into the Maitland's house. I feel a Sunset Boulevard vibe from the house. Dude, it's like so eerie. Like I'm jumping like way ahead for this one moment though that relates That's to okay. like a haunting kind of thing. The reveal that like basically her manservant who does everything for her is her first husband. What the actual fuck? Yes, and he will not leave her side. It's the most twisted thing I've ever heard. And it's like, why don't you love him? He's doing everything for you. Yeah. But she doesn't love him. How insane is that? That, like, having the dead narrator and this sort of horror-like monster former star. And then, yeah, this, like, weird twist with the husband slash butler... This is like, this is like modern movie twisted stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote down. Uh, I, I didn't see it fucking coming. I I just have a note that just overall for like all the sick and weird things that happen in this movie. It, I wrote down that this whole thing feels like a modern movie. Even the way that people talk to each other is way more naturalistic than yeah. the usual 50s dialogue. Um, there's even a moment where 
Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. This this feels like a modern movie thing is going to come back. But I even wrote down when things started to get a little weird and twisted. Mm-hmm. I wrote down that this reminded me like uh, the Coen brothers took a lot from this movie, I oh, think, yeah. too. But they also do the noir thing as well. Yeah, but I just think this movie specifically. Also, those old Hollywood kind of things. It's like that Hollywood vibe. Absolutely. I, I just felt like they took it specifically from this movie for something. This movie was kind of the first one to do that tone. Like, we had The Graduate that sort of established that, like, quirky comedy tone. Mm-hmm. This is that first, like, kind of fun, but, like, kind of dark... Hollywood movie. Like, yeah, like... I feel like every ho- every movie that's, like, really big, in a big way, about, like, Hollywood, Los Angeles, like, entertainment industries in Los Angeles are all referencing this movie. <laughs> yeah. No, this it's is... It's because it has such a specific style. And it feels ahead of its time as well. And a bunch of big, silly gangster hats. <laughs> oh, I I made note of something like kind of endearing and something that I really liked. And it, cause, because it just was like so simple and like, I just felt like if it happened today, people would be like, what? Because everybody's annoying today. <laughs> um, but it was just you like- You said it, not me. It's not me this time. <laughs> no, everybody is annoying. Everybody's so, so stupid. Um, but- Gillis is talking with, I think it's his, uh, is it like a producer? What is it? His agent or something like that? I don't know what scene you're talking about. Um, you know, like when the, the script girl is in there. Oh, it's like a producer trying to sell the movie. Producer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's what I said. Um, the producer kind of claps his hand on his back and he, he calls him sweetheart. I feel like I never hear men call other men sweetheart. Oh, you don't hang around me enough then. <laughs> but do you say it in like a mean way? I don't ever say it. I was just being weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've never called. I don't even think I've called you sweetheart. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> For me, never. I think the only time I've ever said the word sweetheart is probably when I'm stoned and we're eating candy and I'm like, hey, give me the sweethearts. <laughs> oh, I hate sweethearts. I like them. I like the tart ones. I don't like the, the sweet tarts. Yeah, I like the sweet tart hearts. I don't like the regular You're ones. A little tarty boy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I like some tarts. Tarts. But no, like you never hear an, a man calling him. It's like, it's all right, sweetheart. Like just <laughs> not like in a in a certain jokey way. way. Not like in a, a jokey way. It's like genuinely like, oh, sweetheart. You know, like, oh, that's tough luck. Like, Put your chin up. And I'm just like, that's such a nice thing to call someone. (laughs) And it's like such a supportive thing. And I'm like, why don't people call each other that? I feel like women will call other women that. Like, oh, sweetheart. You know? But like, I I think men need to say it to other men. (laughs) To build them up. It was so nice to see. Too much toxic masculinity still everywhere. It's never yeah, gonna it's everywhere never gonna and it smells awful. <laughs> too much, too much of it. I had to make note of it that this was another. It, it's not just another movie about Hollywood. It is another movie about what happens when the talkies take over the silent era. Mm-hmm. And this isn't with. This is much more. You know, singing in the rain is about it. The transition. <laughs> it's crazy how identical the plots are. Kind right. of. Uh, Singing in the Rain is about the actual transition. It's set in the thirties. It's a or twenties when it happens and leads into the thirties or whatever. Um, this is this, the aftermath. This is in the fifties, and this is looking back. This mm. is like, oh, you know, that wasn't that long ago. That was like thirty-five years ago. It wasn't that long in the grand 
scheme of things. But uh, this is like another world. Like this yeah. talk is. Uh, so it's another movie about that. But it's about how devastating that change like that could be. Because in Seeing It in the Rain, they all adapted to being in talkies very simply. They made their own. They, they did, did their a own. musical. Yeah. So, but this movie is about a woman who was so famous as a silent film actress. And then once the talkies took over, she became washed up. And she was like, I am fixating on the fact that I was great. And like, look at all these photos of me. And I was so well, I have so much money. Yeah. She says it all the time. I have so much money. I have endless money. money. And every room in her house is adorned with but like hundreds of photos of her. All she has in her life is the fact that she was famous for like 20 years. Yeah. And it's so sad. And it's so, again, painfully, I feel like accurate though. I feel like there were not not only were there stars that were absolutely like in the exact same boat that just like were on top of the world and then the talkies happened and they just never got work again and they just you know they thought they could stay at the top of the world forever. It's also kind of today too. It's like when when fame happens to somebody and then it's kind of sort of quickly taken away. Yeah. They are still kind of like this today. This one is obviously has more focus on the silent you know like we used to talk with our eyes you know stuff mm-hmm. like that but take that aspect of it away and just sort of like the aging fading movie star thing i feel like it's still pretty accurate today this movie oh absolutely um and then just to talk more about norma she says an iconic line that i also didn't know was from this and it's she's like i because he's like you used to be big and she's like, no. I am big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. And I'm like, oh, annihilation. Yes. It's such a good line. And her line delivery is stunning in this movie. Oh, yeah. It's biting and fast. And like this woman's a professional. And didn't you tell me she was a, a faded out silent she movie star? She literally was a huge silent film actress. And they offered this. Oh, I read who they offered to. Oh, no, I forget. Mae West. Okay. And like three or four other people. From that era? From that era. And they all said no. And she said yes. And I looked back at her history and I'm like, oh my God, she totally was. She was like 50 in this movie. Right. She's playing the same age as the character. But it's like, you. she was born in 1899 she had lived an entire life before this movie and i'm like you are so up for this part because you literally are this character they are watching one of her movies on the little screen together and it's literally a real movie that she was in and she wasn't that popular though as a silent film. She, she was, was well known and, she and she was in a work. bunch. But everybody was like, those movies aren't that good. And then when Talkies, I think, came around, she became a little bit more popular because they, they liked her performance better. And damn, does she give a performance here. I mean, like, this had to be like a big comeback performance oh. for her. And like, such no-brainer casting that you'd think more movies today would get right. But like, if you want to do... If you're doing a movie about Hollywood and you want to have a character who's an aging movie star... Use an actual aging movie star. I feel like a lot of movies today, 
pick people who are still famous to play the aging yeah. movie star. Like you're going to see like Julianne Moore in that part or Nicole Kidman in that yeah. part in movies today. And it's like, no, 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 dig deep. Get somebody who was Dude. only famous like for 10 years, was super famous and then faded away because they're going to give you a fucking command performance. And you know who else did it? Michael Keaton in Birdman. Yeah, this movie Because he feels disappeared like... for a while. Yeah. And then he came back up and we're like, yes, he's still so good. And that movie took a bunch of awards. Not for Michael Keaton, though, even though it was Michael Keaton the movie. <laughs> they gave it to Eddie Redmayne, who I was kind of the first to say was not a good actor. Now nobody likes that guy. And I'm going to be a hipster right now and say, I saw it first. <laughs> you know what made the masses get on your side? He ruined Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, God, that fucking magic movie. <laughs> oh, God, I hated that movie. Yeah, there's a second one of that. I'm going to see it, but I hated the first oh, one. Oh, man, that might have to be like a bonus episode. Ooh. Yeah, it's probably going to be really good, though. We're probably going to have some thoughts on it. Ooh. Besides giving just like a fucking command performance and just mm. being amazing in this movie, I had to write down... That she is Nutter Butters. She is straight up <laughs> as nutty as nutty can get in this movie. She is Nutter Butters. <laughs> yeah, we kept saying that over and over. Like, she is a nut. Yeah. She is one big old nut. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I also wrote down, she is a queen. <laughs> she is a queen. I also agree oh, with you there as queen, well. she's a queen, but all queens are Nutter Butter to <laughs> the max. Like... What, do they have Nutter Butter Extremes or something out there? Because that's what she is. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved. Love it. I, I was eating that shit up. She was so snippy with him and it was hilarious. And then she like, it's very bipolar and crazy. But then she like turns on the charm New Year's Eve and it's just like, oh, we're going to be in love. And we only need each other. And he's like, oh, no. And I'm like, now she's being all lovey-dovey. And it's crazy to me. I, I'll just say it now because I feel like we're pretty far along in this episode. Oh, are we? Um, I, so the New Year's happens and that's sort of the peak of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Between them. It becomes a relationship. Right, where it goes from like he's helping her out to like he's liking the money. But he's not like liking helping her out to like... She gives this New Year's party where she invites no one, but she makes him like dress up and she dresses Mm -hmm. up and they're drinking and they end up like hooking up this section, though, after this, it's like them together, sort of. And then him finding love again in the script girl when they Mm -hmm. try to write a script together for I don't like this section of the movie. <laughs> what when they're like after New Year's Eve? Oh uh, yeah. Until it like kind of takes until the... we get to the fucking awesome ending, which we'll get to uh, soon. Um, that whole section doesn't do it for me. It takes the tension out for sure because like everything's complacent. Well, I actually think it's just like it makes it more sad because everything Where before, is complacent. It's like, yeah. Whoa, she's so crazy over the top. And then you see her kind of wither with any attention. And like, honestly, her slow descent into like dementia, like, or like delusion. You're right. And it's just like, Oh, this is heavy. Whereas before I was like, Ooh, she's like a bitch. And I love it. Yeah. She's so funny. I'm so sad that she didn't yell at anybody at the set. Like, everybody loved her on set. Yeah. When she went and she wants to pitch her movie and, like, DeMille doesn't 
De- DeMille? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to make the movie, but like he loves her. So, so they're being nice. nice. And so then she's like, oh, I'm loved. And I'm like, oh, no, this is sad. Yeah. Also, Cecil B. DeMille, the famous director of Ten Commandments, and among others, uh, is in this movie as himself and gives an amazing performance. Yeah, the directors are really good at acting. Yeah. I And it says Buster Keaton's in this movie. Um, and I obviously, I've seen this movie once before, and I don't remember it that much. And then, like... Uh, I didn't do any research or anything. I didn't catch Buster Keaton. I didn't either. Uh, I, I would have to look up who he played in this. I, yeah. I'm I'm only ever used to seeing him in the 20s movies, and I didn't see too many of those. So like mm. an image of him isn't locked in my brain. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I didn't catch him in this one. But Cecil is in this movie, and I know who he is, and he gives well, an amazing performance. Oh, he does, and I think that might be the difference. Like. I feel like directors should have to act in things to like, to be a successful director, you should know what you're directing. You should gain perspective of that. And I know like when you were in school for directing, you took classes on acting. Like that's important. But I feel like in a way, a lot of directors now haven't done that. And they, and I feel like that's when all the problems on set happen they don't understand where their actors are coming from yeah oh, no. and like, that's how great directors like him were able to get great performances out of their people yeah and uh, i'm gonna uh, just like a person that i've seen in cameos in movies today who's a director and i'm not gonna dog on him or anything but it's like spielberg i've seen spielberg show up in cameos yeah. in movies but he is a terrible actor awful Like, not a good actor at all. But yeah, Spielberg gives terrible performances. But if you think about his movies, his movies are more visual movies and more pace movies and more concept movies. They're not acting movies. Um... How dare you say that about Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> no, no, there's great performances in all of Spielberg's movies, but they're not acting movies. I guess so. Like... Fucking on the waterfront was like an acting class movie. <laughs> like, it was literally structured as a class. <laughs> yes, um, and so like um, that's that's what I'm saying about Spielberg's. Yeah. Of course, he gives bad performances. He's not an acting director. He's a visual director. He's he's the greatest. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, he is the greatest. I'm not shitting on him, but I'm just saying that's why I think him and DeMille are different. In a way, I feel like he takes people who are, like, not the best at acting and makes them look like they're good at acting. Yeah. Because, like, Harrison Ford is in Star Wars, of course. But, like, think about it, guys. Is he just being Harrison Ford? Like, he's not that good at acting. He gives a performance in Indiana Jones. He gives a performance. So, like, it looks really good, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you I feel like I feel like Ray Fine hasn't had a good performance since Schindler's List compared to his performance yeah. in Schindler's List. I know I think he I think he won the award for fucking English patient. Not as good what as the his fuck fucking was up with that Budapest hotel shit. Like, yeah, I like the movie, but guys, come on, it was not that good. <laughs> yeah, like get off your high horse. You're like, oh, this it's is fine. Fun. It's fine. I feel it's like not... we just burned some bridges there. Sorry, dudes. I love burning bridges. It's kind of my favorite. <laughs> He's an arsonist, everybody. <laughs> uh, but while we're talking about uh, directors here... While we're talking about fire. <laughs> uh, f- while we're talking about 
fire directors here. <laughs> Billy Wilder, who directed this movie, um, who is a name I know, and I've seen The Apartment before, mm-hmm. and that's that's one of my favorite movies. It's honestly. also on the list. Um, but uh, I don't know like his whole you know filmography but i like had to write down at certain moments be- just because shots were so good and things were so different from movies i'm used to seeing from this time i just had to write down that he was like a real director and then like i wrote like comma first auteur because it felt like in the 50s a lot of these studio movies they didn't have an identity of mm-hmm. their own but like i feel like he might have been like the first auteur because you like kind of gave a style. You kind of knew when you were watching like a Billy Wilder movie, and now that I've seen a couple of his movies, I kind of see it now. I'm like, yeah, wow, he's like a real director, and like, I, I think they're actually one of the shots. There was a shot of like a clenched fist, but it was like the close up of just the clenched fist, which actually made me think of the Coen Brothers. I feel like that was a very Coen Brothers mm-hmm. shot, and I think that's when I wrote that down. But, like, that's just an example of, like, there was some image that's burned in my head that I was like, ooh. Like, I think I'm watching something from more than just, like, a studio. Like, I feel like I am watching a director at work here. Yeah, it'll be interesting when we get to the apartment to, like, call back those, like, shots or those vibes, the overall look of it. And be like, oh, wow, he definitely has a very specific style. Yeah. That's exciting that we're going to see a bunch of repeat directors on this list and kind of compare them against each other. I mean, we might have mentioned it already before, but I didn't even know that the director of Wizard of Oz is the same director as Gone with the Wind. That fucking blew my mind. One of the directors of Wizard of Oz. I know, there was several, <laughs> but like the main credited director. The main credited director. I don't know. The one that's actually on the back of the box. Is it? Yeah. Is oh. the same director as Gone with the Wind. I didn't follow through that much on my research. <laughs> I just said, oh, that's the same That's where mine stopped as well. <laughs> but, oh, okay. I don't know who this second director is. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. Don't like, look at the man behind the <laughs> <laughs> They we, don't want you to know. I, in 30s movies, it's harder to tell, but I didn't even know that that was the same yeah. filmmaker behind both those We're going to see a Damn. bunch of Spielberg movies. We're oh, gonna I can't see wait. The, gra- the greatest. Yeah. The greatest living and the greatest dead. Hitchcock and Spielberg. I right thought there. you were saying Stephen was both, and I'm like, what the fuck is up with you? <laughs> no. Yeah. Hitchcock, greatest dead. Spielberg, greatest alive. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of repeat things, and yeah, I'm really pumped for that. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I will say about Norma, there is a moment in the movie. She is known for smoking a cigarette with a weird little wire contraption on her finger. Yeah. And it just looks like a weird way to smoke a blunt or something. Yeah. And there was a moment where she looked like she was smoking a blunt in big old sunglasses and a robe. And I was like, vision board, 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that is who I aspire to be. And if I could take, like... I want to be in a photo shoot, a glamorous old Hollywood photo shoot where I am mimicking that exact pose. That would be so awesome. But with a J. <laughs> but with a joy, of course. <laughs> Gotta stay on brand. I could even have like those uh, sunglasses that are pot leaves. Yeah. <laughs> like tacky green pot leaves. But sunglasses. recreate that moment. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. would do that. I, I can rock my brand. Let's do it. Let's make that happen for you. Let's make that the image Ooh, of the AFI We should do list. photo shoots where we recreate a bunch of moments. The from- AFI movie. Ah! But we're stoned. And it has stoner-related things happening. Guys. <laughs> Calendars. <laughs> this is going to happen. We're going to do like a calendar shoot oh, for wow. these movies after we get like, you know, some more listeners. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, it would be so good if we had the listeners vote on 12 movies. Yeah. Around the holidays. And then we recreate them and then we sell like little mini calendars. Yes. That would be so fun. We absolutely should recreate some moments from some of these movies. It's a great idea. Great idea. Keep it keep it written down. Keep Write it, it down, guys. Keep it written down. During the section of the movie that I still really like, there is a moment where, another madness moment, where our mate Gillis, that's his name, right? Gillis. Our main character realizes. I thought you said Armenculus, and I was like, who the fuck is Armenculus? Our main character, Gillis, or Hermenculus, as we like to call it. Armenculus. And I'm like, what kind of weird ass gladiator That's his full name. Uh, (laughs) But Gillis is looking around the house and realize, or trying to get out of the house. He's dramatic in the house. And he realizes (laughs) that all the doorknobs have been taken off because of uh her attempt at suicide she she went and saw somebody who told her after she tried to kill herself that maybe she shouldn't have locks Mm -hmm. and they've had to take away like ropes and razors and things like that from her because she was she's been so suicidal and they can't have locks in the house or whatever there's literally the moment where she is upset or whatever with Mm -hmm. him they zoom in on the doorknob on a missing doorknob as like a reference to suicide and everybody knows oh she's gonna go try to kill herself because they zoom in on the doorknob that is how you make a fucking movie like that is that that is just definition of show not tell i think that's why we let him get away with the voiceover because they showed plenty he's so good at the show not tell moments like that because they show not tell and it's about a movie that's telling us a story it there's so many layers to it but yeah when they specifically show the doorknobs and discuss it and then they show the like the hole of the doorknob when she walks away you're like like, she's she's gonna kill kill herself. herself immediately Uh, that is just fucking great filmmaking like and if anybody's like oh she's upset and that's it i'm like you're so missing the point of everything the empty door like that person is so confused in the world you you also touched about something that's like i'll my next note here so i'm just gonna put these two together um yeah there's so many layers to it or whatever and it's a movie about movies there is an amazing at one point He's all decked out, but he goes to his friend's party. And this is where he reunites mm-hmm. with the girl. Um, and she's seeing one of his best friends or whatever. And the, uh, he's all decked out because he just came from... I think this is when he comes from the Yeah, New he's in like a tuxedo with coattails. Um, and so he is talking with them or whatever. And he, basically this is a group of friends of like the not rich but work in Hollywood and it's like second assistant directors and extras and stuff like that. But they, they're all sort of like beatniks and all hang out together and they all, you know, just get drunk and have no money and it's great. Yeah. Um, but there's a moment where, uh, the best friend is standing by the punch bowl and he literally calls out what's happening on screen. And he says like extras come in and get your drinks, but don't take too much. Because we'll have to, we're gonna have to do multiple takes, and we don't have enough or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, 
But it, in it, obviously, he was making a joke. He's he drunk was, and he's joking, but he's literally saying, saying what, what is happening. Because these are extras. We don't see these people later in the movie. I think it's one of the most genius scenes ever. It's and like I the feel best like, meta joke I've ever heard, I think. <laughs> I feel like that's the one, the scene like no one talks about or remembers. And it's like, that's genius for what this movie is. And it's literally a moment. He calls out what's happening, but it's As him making... set directions. And he's cracking a joke to them. Yeah. But it's like... It's the it's one of the best meta jokes ever. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like every announcement he does to the room is a call to the set. It's yes. insane. And it's because he is he's the guy that's the second assistant director. Yeah. So like that's the that's within the context of the movie why that's so happening. amazing if that's who he is. If he's the movie's <gasps> second assistant director. Oh, we don't have our phones over here. Guys, <laughs> ooh, that would be so but good. Even if he's not, it is an amazing meta joke. This character was played by Jack Webb a man who was hella famous for directing and starring in Dragnet. He was not an assistant director for Sunset Boulevard, but that definitely would have been dope. Like, what finely crafted Oh, one. yeah. It's perfectly peppered in, too. It's the whole scene he's doing it. He comes and goes. But I will say about that friend, so he is dating... I feel bad calling her script girl because I felt <laughs> so sad. Um, he is dating her... And they meet at the party again. And he's like, how do you guys know each other? And she's like, oh, I hated a script and like, whatever. And then they go and sit down in the bathroom to talk. And I'm like, people are pissing and shitting and puking at parties. There's yeah. never a time when a door of a bathroom at that busy of a party is open. <laughs> they go to have this private conversation. And the guy, the friend is just like, hey, I invited you to my party. I didn't invite you to like take my girl or whatever. And I was just like, this is sad because I know he's going to take that girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because this guy is a great guy. And like all AFI list movies, if there's a great guy, he's going to be left for a, meet, a leading man. Yes. Like that's literally singing in the room. Well, not really, but like that. Kind of. It's that the thing, two yeah. dudes yeah, and yeah. the girl. Um, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Sam is the great guy. He gets left for George Bailey. Like I... It's just the friend always gets screwed over. <laughs> and I feel so terrible. And you know what? When they get screwed over, they're not mad. They're just good people. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can still be friends. I understand. And it's like, no, you were engaged to this woman. And then you guys just start screwing around. Oh, it makes me so sad. And then he goes out of town and he trusts her so much. Yeah. It's a bummer. And I think he knows. And he's just like, I'm going to get get out of town so this can happen. Yeah. It's Which like, is even so, sadder. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> why'd you do that? You should fight for it. You want to be happy too. But yeah, the, the friend of, if there are like two men and a woman in an older movie... Even newer the nice The nice guy is going to finish last. <laughs> and, and they always say like, oh, but that's a horrible thing to say. And it's like, well, why does it keep happening? Yeah. They do. Yeah. Or movies taught us to feel that way anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's another, like, this actually ties both of the, my last thought and your thought together. There's another amazing meta moment when they're sort of falling in love, mm -hmm. uh, our lead and script girl um when they're falling in love and it's meta um because when they like are flirting the only way they know how to like flirt is they talk like the movies yeah and this is like sort of where you kind of take a step back and realize this movie's like more modern than it is 
or it feels more modern than it is because they start talking like 50s movie Mm -hmm. and this is a 50s movie but they're acting like they're and they're like they're doing it because both of them only know scripts they're revealing that like life in the 50s was not like what the movies portray those are still characters who are acting and so since they literally read scripts and write scripts all day because they're so socially awkward and don't want to like talk normal, they're like, "Oh, how well, razzmatazz!" Blah blah blah. Not even like socially awkward, just like the world they know. You yeah. know, when they see people fall in love or whatever, it's in scripts all the time because either he's writing it or she's reading it, and she wants to write them. And it's crazy. So then they start flirting. They start talking like fi- actual, not like this movie, but actual other fifties movies. It's almost to as flirt. if they're if they're flirting in these fifties movies dialogues because they have read and written so many of them that like they can tell where the story is going to end up, and they both give clues of like this is our story. And he's like, yeah, this is our story. And she's like, yeah, we're going to fall in love. And that's why they come so close to kissing. And it doesn't feel like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we, or should we, shouldn't we, you know? It's like, this is where our story is. You know, it's like, they're so, so meta. Yeah. <laughs> so meta. And then freaking friend outside is just like, hey guys, you want a drink? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you're so sad. Ooh, I will say, though, here's where it becomes a little complex for me. <laughs> this is like a thing that keeps happening in these movies, and it's going to happen plenty more times, I am sure. Because Gillis, the lead, asks the script reader... Girl. Her, name, her name's Betty. I got to a note where I wrote her name you, down. I looked through my notes. You didn't tell me Betty this whole time and made me call her script girl, which I said was demeaning. I didn't see this note. You skim ahead. I didn't get that far down. You gave up? I gave up. You're selfish. <laughs> her name's Betty. Betty. Oh my God. And I've had it written down this whole time. You're a monster. Her name's Betty. You're a monster. I didn't remember his name either. Well, <laughs> I only I remember it, Norman Desmond. I wrote it down, looked ahead through my notes, and gave us the name. I looked ahead, I just didn't get that far. God, you're selfish. Her name's Betty. Mm. Go ahead, talk about Betty and this old fart. <laughs> well, Gillis. Okay, so Gillis, he's probably in his 30s, I would say. Yeah. He's like a 30-something. 30, yeah. And Betty, they've already had an interaction and everything. He, they meet back up at the party. And, like, basically when they throw their musk on each other, I want to say. Like, they, yeah. they imprint stake, on each other. They stake claim, yeah. Yeah. They're basically like, he's like, oh, this is going to be something. And he immediately goes, how old are you anyway? And I'm like, every time a dude asks how old a girl is... It makes me uncomfortable because it's almost like they know that this is almost inappropriate. Right. If it's not, you know, it just is so gross to me. And she's like in her mid-20s. She's early 20s. So like there's there's at least a 10 year. to 10 year difference in their age, which isn't the worst. No, but but like the fact that he's like, you're so young, I might need to ask. And like, if it were, if... If he were 40 and she was 30, it wouldn't make any difference. No. They're older, she's wiser fresh out people. Of college. But she is, yeah, four years shy of being 18. She is 22, and he is my age. <laughs> and I'm like, I 
can't even have a conversation with somebody who's 22 anymore, let alone, like, have that story happen. Because, like, I don't even know what they like. I don't know what they're into. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't even talk. I can't they're even not talk that to them. far away from us. But they're far enough away. <laughs> I was fine with them flirting earlier on, and like when they're in the office and she insults them, I knew immediately they were gonna have a thing. They had a good balance of conversation. They're witty. They're both smart. They're both creative. They know what makes good film. Like they work really well together, and I never questioned anything about it, like their ages or anything. The second he said, "How old are you?" It made the whole thing feel dirty to me. And it's just like, God, that sucks. Why do dudes got to make everything so fucking creepy? Because <laughs> we're the worst. Oh, my gosh. My final note, I will say, that I wrote last night is just, girls, we can do better. <laughs> girls and men, anyone who is dating a man... You can do better. Yeah. Oh, it, it just made it creepy for me. Also, throughout this entire thing, there have been bursts of loud music from below. Yes. Why do they only wait until like Monday nights? It's one o'clock in the morning. It's probably two o'clock in the morning right now. We've been recording for an hour. Yeah, it's 2 a.m. on a Monday. These maniacs downstairs. What are they doing? Like, why? Oh, we deserve better. <laughs> well, Betty, in general, is so sad. Uh, oh. She says that she grew up on the lot, mm-hmm. and she was, you know, born down the street from the lot. So she grew She's up on it. She's seen some shit, let me tell you. Um, and I literally wrote, like, she was born into this trash. <laughs> like, that's what I wrote down. Because as soon as she was old enough... She was like, I'm going to become an actress. And they're like, oh, yeah, only if you get a nose job first. So she does immediately. No questions. And then they're like, nope, still not going to work. And she's just fine with all this. She's like, yeah, I tried to be a star, so I got a nose job. They still don't like me. I don't need to be an actor. I want to write instead. And it's like, your life sucks. And you don't even realize it. Like, she's going to hit. It doesn't suck. Some of those girls couldn't have even made it to the reader room. It's a sick fucking thing because she that's is sick. really yeah, cute. Yeah, that's still sick, though. Well, yeah, but that's just Hollywood. It's disgusting. Hollywood's gross. Like, Yeah, but I will say her nose job was adorable. <laughs> she looked really cute. She pulled it she's off ad- very No, well. she's adorable in this movie. I love but... her. But no, it's unfortunate if, like, if her dream... I think she said in general she just wanted to work in movies... So she naturally went the actors route. So I don't think her life sucks so bad because I think she just wanted to be a part of movies in any way. And then she found that she really liked the script aspect. But at first she did that. And it is like a big hit on you as a person. It's like you're not worthy. You're, and then you change yourself. Like you spend, And you'll never be worthy. I, I, I have a weird thing about plastic surgery. Like I don't like it and I don't. I think it's fine as long as you do it for yourself, not for... Right, I get that it's a choice or whatever, but I feel like there's too many weird situations where you feel like you have to when you don't have to type thing. That's the main problem. And that makes me uncomfortable, and that's why I have a weird thing. I am so for plastic Uh, surgery if you want to do it for yourself. If you're like, I'm not happy with this about myself. Right, right, right. Somebody wanting to do it by choice is fine, but I do feel like too many people are given given this choice and they don't have to go that route i think that's why it was so negative in like the late 90s and 2000s is because we all knew that people were doing it for the wrong reasons yeah and they were trying to like stay younger for it because like in 
acting. A lot of actresses got plastic surgery during this time. And it's because before them, actresses who hit a certain age don't get certain parts anymore. And, and then they we felt, have the Norma Desmonds of yes, today. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she's doing all this crazy, like, facial stuff, too, to stay young and fresh. And it's like, just be yourself. And, like, you'll be fine. And it's like, you're trying so hard to fit a mold that, like, just isn't naturally your mold anymore. But, like, I think that's why the negative perspective of plastic surgery was in like the 90s and 2000s because no one was doing it be like oh yeah like i just wish my nose was like this or something or like oh i wish like my jaw was like this it's it's like i gotta keep working or i gotta have bigger tits i have to get this person to think i'm beautiful to get this role yeah and it sucks like it just sucks that people had to think that way i don't know that's just my weird thing but yeah it's like so she is in this sad world where she has to do this and she doesn't even realize it. Maybe she doesn't care, but it bums me out. <laughs> oh no, it bums it bum, it bums me out because like people who are not as like mentally like strong as her because she's like a pretty like bold female right. character and she's really fun and um I love her, but like there are so many that aren't as like that don't have that strength that yeah. are very insecure and yeah i guess exploiting insecurities is the thing that bothers me the most oh about well that's surgery. what well about hollywood and, and hollywood in general yeah. oh it's just tragic and that's like what norma is she's so insecure right um so she writes this big story about her life and like she doesn't want to hear that it's bad or that it's too long or she'll never be in this role like she doesn't want to hear it. She's so insecure of what she's become, which is just like a normal older woman. If she would try out for like parts her age or just like retire gracefully. Like I have all this money. I don't need to work. And it's like, I had my time. I also love how I said try out instead of audition as if it was like a high school cheerleading campaign. Correct. Go Norma, go. (laughs) (laughs) So basically this is kind of at the point where you have the whole section of the movie that I don't like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got it, we dipped into it. We talked about certain scenes that I do like within that, but uh, for the most part, we have a chunk that I'm not super into. So I'm just gonna jump ahead with my last two notes here and talk about the ending because the ending is fucking perfect. Oh, it's so great. it's awesome. Uh, she shoots him eventually, and you know he, he she shoots him after he makes the girl that he's in love with it. She's in love with him. She. He basically forces her to hate him because he doesn't just like say, I've been lying to you all this time. This is the life I'm living. He's like, look at all this stuff and look at all this money I have. And he like basically is making her hate him. Then he gets shot and then the police come and she thinks she's so off her rocker. She thinks that the police coming and interviewing her is her big close up. And that's that final line of the movie or whatever. It is a no, perfect... say the line. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Um, but uh, I will say it is a perfect ending. But that little spot, there's like one quick section of voiceover in there mm-hmm. where she's like coming down the stairs and he's basically explaining what oh, we're seeing. Yeah. I was like, don't, that's the one spot I don't need. Just let it be silent, like if anything. Of her, it's the one spot I don't want voiceover. So like, I was actually fine with the whole movie, even at the beginning I was into it. But just that one last time they use it, I was like, don't, 
not there. You don't need it there. Here's the thing. I don't remember voiceover during that moment. So like it didn't bother me at all because I wasn't even paying attention. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And also to kind of like, you skimmed over. He broke it off with Betty and showed him his like horrible side or whatever. She leaves. Norma is then happy at first. Yeah. Like that's a very specific thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Cause you were like, then she shot him. It's like, yeah. no, Norma was so relieved and she's like, Oh, thank God. This other woman's not in our life. We can be back together. And he doesn't say a fucking word to her. And it's like, yeah, I ruined our relationship, my relationship and chance at love, but also I'm not fucking staying with you. So it's like a double punch in the face. Because he like, starts packing. See, you made me do it. You got what you wanted, but it's like, I fucking hate you for it. Yeah. And she's like, don't hate me. And that, like, him hating her is so much worse yeah. than him being with this other girl. Like, she'd rather him be, like, like content and right. unhappy. Unhappy with than her. Hate her. Than hate her. But and, he like, does that to her, basically to hate her. Yeah. But, like, be like, you made me, you are the fucking reason I did this. And, and then I she goes and you. gets a gun and like shoots him in that fucking pool that they finally refilled. And yeah. it looks so nice. Yeah. And he finally got his dead swim. in the pool. And yeah, when she is like giving her, she's walking down and it's so glamorous. And I'm like, Norma, you are nutter butters. <laughs> is it munchy time? Munchy time. Munchy time. Last night, I made myself an omelet with diced tomato and feta. It was quite delightful. And then I had some Sunny D because I had it left over. And it's close to orange juice. (laughs) It's like the horrible version of orange juice. So I had the leftover Sunny D, my omelet, and then Matt so kindly shared his box of honeycomb cereal honeycomb cereal and it says like back or something was it gone for a while i don't know i didn't have that much of a deep connection with uh i haven't had that probably since i was like 11 uh my parents just bought it for me probably because it was cheap on sale and i was like sure i'll take it you know like it wasn't even like i had some strong connection like oh my god honeycomb's back yeah it says honeycomb's back on the box and then we were all like was honeycomb gone yeah i was like all right whatever (laughs) I had a bowl as well. It was really good. Yeah. It's a nice, simple cereal. What else did you have? Besides the cereal, I lived in Leftover City because I had both leftover falafel and leftover pizza. The falafel was so good, guys. I, I perfected it. Yeah. I redeemed Homemade myself. falafel. So we had a ton of it, obviously, because when you do it homemade, there's like fucking yeah. tons of it. It's not like when you go to a restaurant, you get like three little... Balls in, balls in the in the pita like you made it at home that makes a lot it's so good. um and uh so we had some leftovers uh, i had a couple pitas of that and then i had some leftover takeout pizza do you know what you're gonna rate this movie i have not thought about it yet <laughs> well, we have to say that that concludes munchy time don't do we? we do we i feel like we have done in every episode you usually say it oh <laughs> you don't have to say it now. <laughs> okay. I know what your thing is going to be. So you can say it. Uh, are you sure you know what mine is? Oh, maybe I don't. I was going to give this uh, a four Nutter Butters out of five. Yes, I knew. <laughs> I literally wrote in my book, 
Nutter Butters, and to remind myself. Yeah, I'm going to give this four Nutter Butters out of five. Okay. Because there's a whole section of the movie I'm super not into. It's kind of boring for me. But then there's like more than two, like three-fourths of the movie that I'm super into. Yeah. But I got that that whole section is a real slog for me, so I've got to give it four out of five. I would also give it four out of five, but I'm going to give it four... Silly big gangster hats <laughs> because that just cracked me up so bad. And I think this is a mafia movie. Who knew? Um, we never see them again. But I think four out of five just because like I did really enjoy it. Um, I do think it's a little long. It's not too long. It really isn't. But just for what it is, like I was enjoying it so much in the beginning and it does slow down a little bit. Yeah. Because it becomes monotonous and we are supposed to feel that in his journey. And that's totally fine. But, like, that's just where I feel with it. I, I really did enjoy it. I'm super glad I saw it because I think she is incredible in it. What's her name? Gloria Swanson? Yes. She is fantastic in this movie. Her eyes, her huge eyes yeah, I, are so incredible. I think she's absolutely incredible in this movie. She's the standout actor in a movie filled with good acting. Oh, absolutely. But she is the standout of it for sure. Oh, it's her movie. It's her close-up. It's, it's obviously, yeah, it's her close-up. She's on all the posters and the covers. Her crazy big stuff. eyes. <laughs> um, this is her movie yeah. for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it could have been shorter. I agree with you there but too. But still great. But still a great movie. Four is not a bad rating. Four is not bad. We haven't gone below three, so technically every single one of our movies is still positive. There's some threes that we're like questioning, but they're not negative. So We've gone below three. Oh, yeah, I forgot Lawrence. There he is again, Lawrence. What did I give that one, I think? Yeah, I think I gave it a half of a big old camel's eye. <laughs> Why do I remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, one that's negatives but to have that many positives is pretty good and this one's up there four yeah. is pretty good it's it's a real good movie it's a real good movie oh and, and then my, my my connector i said at the beginning i was gonna say what i thought of it before okay. i think i actually used to like love this movie oh, i think really? i actually but i forgot about that whole section that's kind of a slog and i'm like you probably thought that was a slog then too when you saw it for the first time because i remembered mm. the beginning in kind of the middle, and, the and then the very ending. So I had seen it all the way through if I got to those points, but that section right before the ending, forgot. Like, yeah. I just forgot about. So I think I like this movie more than I do now, but I also did forget about that part. So, like, ev- even then, I probably still didn't like that section. Yeah. I would say if you were thinking about watching this stoned, you could. I don't really have an opinion on it. It's like, fine if you do, fine if you don't. That's how I feel. Uh, but if you're like, oh, I want to do the list stoned, you know, like us, maybe you do. I don't it's know. It's fine. Um, this one's not bad. It's fine. I feel, yeah, either way, stoned or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so next week, we're watching number 13, Bridge. Over River Kwai. Sorry, I forgot what it was. Like, these are starting to boggle my mind bridge over river kwai yes or bridge over the river kwai kwai (laughs) or is it on the no it's over though right the bridge on the river kwai is it bridge on the river kwai 
Yes. The bridge on the river Kwai. Bridge over. over. Why would it be on? No. The bridge on the river Kwai. Well, you say Bridges it's on the river. Over. You say it's on the river. No, the bridge is There's a road that's the... on a river. No, there's a road over the river. Well, yeah, what people say on the river. I think it's bridge over. On the. I don't know. Am I right? No, you stupid bitch. Or is Matt right? Yes. I think Ashley's right in both accounts and Matt's just too stoned <laughs> all the time. No. I don't know. You might have been right that first one. The bridge on the river Kwai. I hope in continuing with like all of our ratings for the movie so far that like most of them have been very positive. And I hope bridge over river Kwai. The bridge on the river Kwai. We can Remains find. positive. Yeah. We can find like a really great thing about it that we like. But we're going to watch that next week. Um, Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. And you can also listen to us on the Podbean app if you don't have iTunes. But if you don't, what the feck is wrong with you? You know, we haven't talked about it, but I'm pretty sure Podbean automatically throws it on YouTube, too. So if you don't do iTunes and you just do over the internet, I think you can listen to us on YouTube as well. I think Podbean does that automatically. I'm going to have to check that out, guys. We'll have to investigate, but I think I think we're magically on YouTube as well. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And Again, be sure to follow us on social media yes. at AF High List on both Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, share with your friends if you think they will get a kick out of us assholes being stoned, talking about things they know very little about. <laughs> Until next week. We've been high. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.